0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 329. Brought this case against me, it would have infuriated the masters. They worked hard to protect the good name of the university in general, and of the Arcanum in particular. So Ambrose was in no way connected with the charges. Instead, the case was brought before Imra's court by a handful of Imra's influential nobles. Oh, certainly, they knew Ambrose, but that wasn't incriminating. Ambrose knew everyone, with power, blood, or money, on either side of the river, after all. Thus was I brought up against the Iron Law. For the space of six days, it was a source of extraordinary irritation and anxiety to me, It disrupted my studies, brought my work in the fishery to a standstill, and drove the final nail into the coffin I used to bury my hopes of ever finding a local patron. What started as a terrifying experience quickly became a tedious process filled with pomp and ritual. More than 40 letters of testimony were read aloud, confirmed, and copied into the official records. There were days filled with nothing but long speeches, quotations from the Iron Law, points of procedure, formal modes of address, old men reading out of old books. I defended myself to the best of my ability, first in the Commonwealth court, then in church courts as well. Arwell and Alxedal spoke on my behalf, or rather they wrote letters, then read them aloud to the court. In the end, I was cleared of any wrongdoing. I thought I was vindicated. I thought I had won. But I was still terribly naive in many ways. And that's the page and the chapter. I'm Jordana.
1: I'm Jeremy.
0: So there's a big list on this page.
1: A big list?
0: A big list. It's, well, it's many short sentences that feels like a list. Quotations from the Iron Law, points of procedure, formal modes of address. It's essentially a list of everything that occurred. And also, this is, I feel like this is a nice way to take something that was really, really stressful for the reader and just like let them calm down a bit.
1: This is an interesting storytelling choice to me because we love a courtroom drama, don't we, folks? It's our favorite thing. It's such a good, like, there's a reason there's so many like legal dramas on TV. It's because it's just a naturally good format for like a high stakes drama that from a tv budget perspective doesn't cost that much to make is it just people talking and there's been some really good instances of legal drama in this series so far when Cloth has been brought up before the horns and has to like defend himself in front of the masters and it's interesting to me that Rothfuss chose to essentially summarize to tell us in a few paragraphs what goes down in this pretty high stakes scenario where Quoth is charged with high crimes that might, you know, we don't actually know what the sentence would be if he was convicted of this, but I have to assume that it's like life imprisonment or maiming or death or something. Like it's got to be really bad. Rothfusser sort of breezes all over that in a couple of things. What's actually, because what's actually important for us to know is that this is Ambrose using his political influence to try and get Quoth thrown in jail or killed. And it doesn't really work. And as far as Foth is concerned, it ends up being like mostly inconvenient. And that lulls him into a false sense of security. And I can't help but wonder if in an earlier draft of the book, there was like a sequence of him being up before the Iron Law and his editor, or maybe Rothfuss himself, when he went back and looked at it, it was like, actually...
0: Maybe this isn't that important. (laughs)
1: Like we've had a bunch of sequences like this already. And I can afford to summarize this and just give them the important bits because it's not actually that important. And we've had other good scenes like it before.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that makes sense. I can definitely see this having been a much longer sequence in a less edited version. Mm -hmm. I sort of, uh, I imagine there's a video game anime with a man with pointy hair who points and yells, Objection!
1: phoenix right
0: that one yes yeah. that one i imagine uh th- this sequence as being "Quoth, yelling objection and then we move on with the rest of the story
1: <laughs> i mean that raises an interesting point which would which is that in this court system a- can you object there's no such thing as a lawyer "Quoth defends himself
0: well and other people though have come with letters to defend him yeah so other people
1: like- are witnesses But there's no one whose job it is to understand how the law works and act on your behalf.
0: Hmm.
1: He has to figure out what the law is himself and defend himself on that basis.
0: I feel like in this case, it feels as though Elk Sadal has come in to fill that role. Because he comes with Simmon and is first mentioned as someone who brings a letter to read on Kvothe's behalf. Ah, Well, he arrives
1: with our will to read. Letters. But to he arrived act with Simon
0: before he arrives with Arwol.
1: Yeah, but that's what makes me think that he's not acting in the capacity of a lawyer. I think he's there as like someone who knows Quoth and who understands the charges that are being brought against him and he's explaining to Quoth, here's what happened. But he's not standing there in the courtroom with him every day defending him. Because he's not a lawyer. I suppose. Like that's the difference to me. Like in our legal system such as it is, the point of a lawyer is like the law is really complicated and arcane. And you as a normal person don't understand the law because it's complicated and arcane. And so you can't like, it's not fair to try and make you defend yourself in court because you don't understand how the law works. Someone does that for you.
0: Okay. Wait so- i have to make a joke. Cause, cause you said that the law is arcane, but Quoth is an arcanist. So he's really good at arcane stuff.
1: I'm going to put you in a bucket and drop you down <laughs> Niagara Falls.
0: No, you need a barrel for that at least.
1: A bucket, barrel, what's the difference?
0: Many but things, actually.
1: My point is that in a in a world where there is like a legal code, that code is invariably too complicated for a, a layman to be able to competently defend themselves in court. That's what a lawyer is for.
0: Yes, it does seem extremely unfair that there are no lawyers in this system.
1: Just another way that the system is biased in favor of, you know, wealthy people. Because, like, I'm sure, like, a baron, if he was brought up on charges, could, like, hire some kind of legal scholar to advise him on how to defend himself in court, right? But
0: Cloth can't afford to do that. Indeed. Also, quick thought. Yeah. So, Simon is the son of a duke. Is a duke higher than a baron? And if you are the son of a duke, do you still hold a title or no?
1: I'd say all of that is very deliberately vague. Because Rothfuss doesn't seem to understand how peerages work, or he doesn't... At the very least, he wants to keep it vague exactly how the peerages work in his world. In our world, at the very least, if you're the son of a duke or the son of a baron, you still have a title. You're still probably referred to as, at the very least, sir or master. Like, the reason...
0: Would you be called lord or no?
1: I think it kind of depends. But, like, maybe, yes. Yes. Like I think it depends what think, your rank and the nobility is, but yes, isn't it I like think? you
0: call a duke your grace, but lords are lesser than dukes?
1: Um, in, no, because well, in the British peerage, if you're the duke of something, you're in the royal family, so the correct form of address is some variant of your royal highness. Oh, I see. Prince Charles is his royal highness, the Duke of Edinburgh. I Got think. it. No, he's the Prince of Wales. He's the Royal... He's the Royal so his son he's is... an the H.R.H. Emperor, whereas your grace is reserved for a member of the clergy. A bishop would be addressed your grace. Oh.
0: Okay, so see, I wonder these things as an off-topic note, because I just finished watching a show I would actually not recommend, but was fun to watch for the time, which is called Bridgerton. And they have this very strange, not realistic kind of victorian england seeming place but all the all the dress codes like all the all the costuming is wrong and there's glitter places and there shouldn't be glitter if it's technically victorian england but they have a duke and they call the duke your grace
1: right well in game of thrones you address the king as your grace
0: oh things i didn't know about the game of thrones
1: my point is that fantasy authors have a long tradition of mixing and matching to whatever sounds cool to them
0: all right that seems perfectly reasonable
1: you know, in our world, if you're the son of any kind of aristocrat, they have to call you sir, at the very least, you know, or or lord, whatever the like.
0: <laughs> f- That's my favorite lord. <laughs> As
1: I was starting to say before you rudely interrupted me, uh, <laughs> the reason that, like, when you're writing a letter to uh, a small child who is a boy, you address it to, like, you know, master so-and-so at whatever address is because... Back in the day, you know, the reason that Alfred calls Bruce Wayne Master Bruce is because if you're if you're the son of an important person who is called, you know, sir or something, then the proper way to address them is like master something because you're young, but you're still the master. Got it. Anyway, it's all very like culturally specific to time and place and the specific rules of the specific thing. How did you even? How did that even come up?
0: Uh, I was asking about the Baron and the Duke because Simon is the son of a Duke. And I was wondering if he would be affected by this rank of the Iron Law because it affects up to Baron. And I feel like Duke would be higher than Baron.
1: Yeah, I also have that impression. I mean, I think you can read this a multitude of ways because Sim goes pale when he sees the rod that marks the guy's authority.
0: But he might be going pale for quotes. So.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: I feel like we didn't talk about the courtroom so much, but that's okay. I only have one more note.
1: Yeah, well, what is it?
0: It is that it is the end of a chapter, and this chapter was called Consortation, uh, referring to Quoth being charged with consortation with demonic powers. Yes, indeed. And that is my final note.
1: I think it could also be an oblique reference to Denna, because there is a line on the first page where he says, the only thing missing is Denna, who is the person that he'd actually like to be consorting with.
0: Oh, that's true.
1: Hmm. Listeners, you can ruminate on this piece of wisdom on tomorrow's page. Of the wind.